Red Rock Circle Dogs, how y'all doing? Uh, it is so good to be here. This is literally one of my favorite churches in the entire world. I have a man crush on your church. And uh, I have just uh, enjoyed just uh, staying in touch and staying in tune with what's happening here at Red Rocks RYA. And uh, you know what? Even starting this series, uh, Jesse absolutely crushed the first week. I mean, I, I just... One of the best communicators I know. Um, I mean, if you had, did not listen to the first week of this series, you need to go back and listen to it. Week two was just as awesome. Whitney did an incredible job. Awake, oh, you sleeper. And if you have been sleeping, you need to stay woke. So go back and listen to that message. Um, this week, um, I get the honor of uh, continuing this series, Better Than Vacation. And uh, tonight, we're going to talk a little bit uh, about money. And the interesting thing about money in church is in our generation, there has been a little bit of distrust between churches and money. It's almost become this taboo topic that you can't really talk about. And I personally believe that somehow we have made of the topic of money in church to be about offering. But it's so much bigger than that. And there is a lifestyle of generosity I believe God has called us to that will give us a life that is better than vacation. And I, I want to go uh, directly to the word uh, tonight, and we want to go to Proverbs 11, uh, verse 24 in the message. The Bible says this, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Tonight, uh, I want to speak to you on the subject of armed and generous. Look at your neighbor on the right and say, armed and generous. Look at your neighbor on the left and say, you're buying me ice cream after service. <laughs> Can we pray for a moment? Father, I thank you so much for Red Rocks YA. I pray, Lord, that tonight you would show us the lifestyle that you have called us to live in the Bible and that you would show us that it is a life that is better than vacation. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said. Um, I don't know uh, where you first learned about money. For me, uh, there were two men that taught me about money in 1997. They go by the name of Puff Daddy or P. Diddy and Mace. They taught me one simple, one simple principle. More money, more problems. And they, they said the more money you come across, the more problems you see. So, so for me in 1997, somebody gave me some money. I said, I don't want no problems. I'm sorry. No, keep it. My dad said, I'm going to give you some allowance. I said, I don't want it. I don't want no problems. <laughs> then I had a change of heart in 1999. A group of women uh, by the name of Destiny's Child taught me about bills. And so uh, they changed the game for me because they said, hey, if you can pay my bills, then maybe we can chill. So I'm like, oh, snap. And here's the crazy thing. They didn't just say bills. They gave me the specific bills they wanted paid. They said they wanted their telephone bill paid. So I said, okay, do you get AT&T or Verizon? Do you got T-Mobile? T-Mobile's a little bit cheaper than Verizon. What are we doing? Then they said, can you pay my automobiles? I said, are you driving a Prius or a Mercedes? Because depending on what you got, I might be able to help you out. But I thought, okay, money is this thing that could possibly get me a date with somebody. Like, like I don't know where you first learned about money. Maybe uh, you grew up uh, poor and PB&J was your jam from day one. Uh, maybe you grew up rich and you could afford the finer things of life 
college paid for, you had a car at 14, life was good for you. Um, or, or maybe most of us, I would believe, fall into this category uh, of the middle class. And the best way to sum up us is uh, paycheck to paycheck. Uh, we had enough money for the bills, but we had no money for nothing else. Luxury was never something we experienced. Most people in the middle class learn about money through trial and error. So what happens is, is you learn about debt when you get it. So, so for example, you'd be like, all right, I'm gonna go to college, let me get a student loan. Be like, cool, I need 40K, cool. I'm gonna pay him back 40K. They're like, nah, you owe us 55. You're like, for what? What you talking about? Got 55, I didn't borrow 55, I like, it's this thing called interest. You're like, 6% of $40,000 is not 15,000. They said, it's accumulated, and we'd be like, oh. I see that. You didn't tell me that when I signed the papers, though, okay? <laughs> On some level or another, regardless of where and when you learned about money, I don't know if anybody told you that God has a plan and a strategy for how you leverage it for the kingdom. And sometimes money in church is caught in a bad rep, but if we're really being a church, we're taking it outside the walls of this place and making a difference in a generation, leveraging what God has given us. And the reason that money is so important to God is because it's so important to us. It can even be an idol for a lot of people. And people can even worship money. And this is how you may have not realized you've been worshiping money for a long time, but whatever you put your trust in and your hope in is your God. And all of a sudden, when you start putting your trust in a payday that maybe if I just had some more money, I might be able to afford something that God won't give me yet. And so you start to hope in it and people idolize it and people believe if I can just have money, I might be somebody that's important. And the surplus of money can make you feel like you're somebody and the lack of it can make you feel like you're a nobody. And God can see how money can make you feel like you're going to be something. And he's going, I don't want any one of my kids to live their life based off of that scale. I don't want money to make them. They can make money. There's a huge difference. And it's interesting because uh, once you start making a little bit of money, you want to post stuff that makes it look like you got more money than what you actually make. Um, I don't know if you heard what happened to our dear friend Bow Wow, but allow me to explain <laughs> what happened to our poor boy Bow Wow. Boom, we put up the photo of what my man posted. Um, so Bow Wow said this. He said, travel day. NYC press run, growing up hip-hop, let's go! I promise to bring y'all the hottest show ever, May 25th on At We TV, giving us the impression that he is on his way to New York. You can see the Mercedes. They got a Mercedes minivan. Who does that? And then um, you get, he getting on a private plane and he going to New York. The only problem with this is the internet is undefeated. If you're going to lie, don't lie on the internet because it's going to catch you, okay? So um, this is the next slide. Um, somebody put this on their Snapchat. Um, they said, so this guy Lil Bow Wow was on my flight to New York, but on Instagram he posted a picture of a private jet capture traveling to NY today, SMH. <laughs> Lil Bow Wow, what? You know. You, listen, you in coach just like the rest of us. You had to check your bags, bro. Like, like what are you doing? And so um, the internet started the Bow Wow Challenge. And if you have not hit the hashtag Bow Wow Challenge, you will enjoy your evening after service, okay? This is just one. This is just one of the Bow Wow Challenge. 50 Cent Bow Wow Challenge, my new Range Rover is fire. What y'all doing? I'm about to pull up. 
If you don't understand, that is a toy Range Rover in a shower. <laughs> Y'all, go, go home and check it out. It, it, it is, it's amazing. It, what's interesting is, is there's a little, little bow wow in all of us. There, there's, there's a little bit of us that doesn't want to be rich, but look rich. There is something on the inside of us that we go, okay, if I can just look the part, maybe I can have a life that other people are jealous of. I want my seats to be close enough that when I snap it, when I Insta it, when I Facebook it, that people go, man, must be nice. That in a summertime when everybody is on vacation, we are tempted to have a life just like it. Look at the places I can afford to go. Oh, I'm in Italy. Say something. What? Yeah, Vegas all day. There is there's something in us that just wants to look rich, that it can cause us to post a life that maybe isn't even real in the first place. Let me boost up my internet highlights and maybe I might get a few more likes. You might be tempted to have a life that is more likable. And in that moment, you might not even like your own life. Because you're so busy maintaining an image that demands to be maintained. So if you get a bunch of likes on that one photo, nobody has any idea how many hours it took you to make that one post to get the filter just perfect. And if they knew how long it took, you're going, I, I can't do this every day. But that's what happens to us. We get sucked into this maintaining our image. The question I, you have to answer tonight is this. How much do you spend on your image versus your soul? How much do you spend on your image versus your soul? And we're not just talking about money. We're talking about time and energy. How much time, energy, and money do you spend on your image versus your soul? You might be asking, well, how, how could I spend time, energy, and money on my soul? A couple of different ways. Number one, education. And what I mean by education, you got a lot to learn and there's a lot of things you want in life. So if you say, hey, I want to be married in the future, you should do your job and go, hey, I want to learn as much as I can about marriage on this end. I don't want to be doing trial and error. So if I were you, I would be grabbing a married couple and go, can I take y'all out on a date so I can just interview you? Let, tell me something. Teach me what. Tell me what you know. I don't want to have to go through what you went through. Teach me something about money. What don't I know? I, I don't want to be figuring this thing out. I don't want to go through school of hard knocks. You already went through it. So save me the trouble. Maybe save me a divorce. Who do you want to be in the future? Maybe so you can get an education formally or informally and informally is simply spending time with people who are already at a place where you want to be and saying, hey, I'm, try I'm trying to invest in myself. Go ahead and sow some seeds. You will reap what you sow. You say, hey, I want a great marriage in the future. Start sowing in the one now. Go to a married couple at Red Rocks and say, hey, I will babysit tonight for you for free. Why? Because you are, you are sowing a seed into your future to say, all right, in light of who I want to be. And you might say, I'm ready for a family. I want a family. Do you know what it's like to chase a toddler around the airport? Listen, I took my son to the airport yesterday. This man jumped in, in the pot, in with the cockpit with the pilot. He's trying to fly the plane. I'm like, we're going to die. <laughs> you don't have the patience, the maturity, everything that you need to be a parent. You might want to be a wife, but are you ready to be a mom? 
You might want to be a husband, but are you ready to be a father? Spend some time with some people and go, you know what? I care so much about my soul and my character more than I care about my image. Because most people who get divorced, they don't go, well, you know, he just stopped dressing good. So that's when things went south. He started wearing sweatpants around the house and I, I. no one's ever said that. Yet you will place so much value on it on this side of the relationship. And you will spend money that you don't have trying to impress strangers on the Internet that you may never even talk to for some likes. How is it helping your character, the thing that actually keeps people together, the thing that's going to actually help you make wise decisions in the future? Where are you investing your time and your energy? Because I promise you this, stuff and status does not have the ability to satisfy your soul. If it did, Southern California would be the happiest place on earth. <laughs> Stuff and status can't satisfy your soul. Harvard did a study. They followed uh, some of their top uh, graduates for the next 40 years, some of their most wealthiest, and they said, hey, tell us what you learned. Tell us what really makes you happy. And they found that the happiest, wealthiest men from Harvard University, their common denominator was that they had close friends. That's it. Not one of them said, well, you know, now that I've been able to afford a few houses, now, now that I've been afforded a step, now that I'm a Supreme Court judge, now that I have power, now that I have fame, now that I, I've built a few businesses, none of them said that. All of them said, I am simply not alone. Can you imagine if you decided to spend all of your time and energy on other people, investing in relationships and saying, you're the most important thing in my world, not my image? It'll actually get you to where you actually want to be because I promise you this, the world will tell you that your net worth is your assets minus your liabilities. The things that have value versus the things that are debts and taking away value and therefore they will tempt you into having this amazing net worth that you should find value in your job, in your bank account, in the emblem on your car or the emblem on the back of your shirt. And somehow that's going to bring you value in the world. Somebody has given you value based off of the abilities that you can bring them at your job. And if I can go there for a moment, some of you have believed the lie that the only value that you have is by what you can do in bed. And somebody has sold you that lie and you have deemed, you have calculated your value based off of who didn't choose you. But can I tell you something? You don't get your value from your job, your bank account, the emblem on your car. Let me tell you how valuable you were to God. You were so valuable to God that he sent everything for you and sent his son to die for you. That's how valuable you are. So don't let the world tell you any different. Don't let the world tell you that you are your bank account, that you are going to be great when you have a great degree, or that your job is somehow going to make you who you are. The cross makes you who you are. Look no further than the cross of Jesus Christ if you are looking for your value. He is the God that chose you when he didn't have to. He could have let humanity strive for centuries, thousands of years, but he chose us. That's where I get my value from. It doesn't matter what kind of car I have. And you can then have a nice car and the car doesn't have you because you know you don't get your value from it. You can have nice clothes, you can have nice stuff, you can be a millionaire and it, it, does, it doesn't make or break you because you already know who you are. I got a feeling that somebody came in here and they 
pulling their value from the wrong place. And I believe I'm in Denver this weekend to encourage some young adults to put their value in what the Bible gives, gives value. Don't spend all of your money, your time, and your energy on something that's going to take away value from you. Perhaps you have been putting value in an empty idol that can do nothing for you. Can you imagine if we were begin to live out what the Bible talks about, a lifestyle of generosity where we were armed and generous? We're going to look at a few scriptures, and I promise you, this is going to give you a life that is better than vacation. Matthew 25 verse 14 says it like this, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one, he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. The thing that I want you to know tonight is this, is, is God is not looking for you to be successful. He is looking for you to be faithful. He's looking for you to be faithful with what you have. So you are simply going to try and live your life to do what you can for who you can with what you can. Like God, God is not measuring your life next to somebody else's. He's going, hey, I know what I've put in them. And I just want to know if I can trust them with what I gave them. And some people are going, well, God, give me more. God, I want six figures. He's watching what you do with 600. God loves everybody. He don't trust everybody. You got to earn that one, sweet. I, like, he's not just going to give you, like, you're not going to trick God into giving you more money. Like, hey, God, if you give me a million dollars, I was like, give it away, I swear. No, no, you're not. No, you're not. He knows. He knows by what he's watching you do with it now. Like, you think, oh, later. No, right now, with what you've been given, you can make a difference. And I believe the book of Acts understood this more than any other part of the Bible. They understood how to leverage resources for the community around them. They lived their life with their head on the swivel going, okay, who, who has a need? Who has a need? What do I have to sell so that nobody has a need in my community? And, and it says this in Acts 11, verse 27. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. This is, a, this is a community of people that are just going, okay, everybody do what you can according to your ability. I'm not comparing what I give to somebody else's. I'm just going, okay, Lord, what is it that you have entrusted me with? And I'm going to do what I can for other people. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Here's a lifestyle I would encourage you to adapt. Prioritize your needs versus wants. Okay, now that might be a big homework assignment for some of us, but prioritize your needs versus wants and begin putting other people's needs above your wants. Begin putting other people's needs above your wants. And I promise you, if you begin doing this, you will have a life so much better than vacation. Because what will start to happen is you'll start to realize, oh, my gosh, I never even realized that there were so many people in need around me until I started asking. And my, my, my wife, uh, when we were dating, 
uh, we, we would be reading the Bible together. And the Bible says, take care of widows and orphans. And so uh, we got to this portion of scripture and she said, Ryan, are we going to start taking care of widows and orphans? I said, um, baby, we 25. <laughs> Ain't none of my friends lost their husband yet. So I don't really know where we're going to find a widow. And, and we live in Dallas. So I don't know if there's a whole lot of orphans here. You know, we could maybe do a compassion deal or something, you know, whatever. And she goes, you're connected, find us a widow. I said, dang, Gina. Can I get some space real fast? I mean, we're reading the Bible, come on, can I get some points on the board? My goodness. So I didn't know what to do, so I called the church secretary. I said, hey, um, I know it's kind of a weird question, you know, um, it's real fast. I was just curious, you know, if like, um, you know, uh, you, uh, we, uh, we, you know any widows? <laughs> this is exactly what she said. She goes, are you serious right now? I was like, yeah, I'm serious. She goes, my aunt just lost her husband and she's knee deep in medical bills. You would change your world. I promise you, all you got to do is look. Because here, here's the beautiful thing about what God does. God knows that there, he's going to put people in need in your world everywhere you go, every grocery store, every gymnasium, every college dorm room, every classroom, every church. And the minute you begin going, God, who can I help? God, who can I help? I promise you somebody will pop up and you will have a moment to change their life. One of the things that um, I, started, I started doing um, at the gym was just, Man, I, I just, I always just wanted to be a giver. I always just wanted to be a giver. And, and um, I have a shoe problem. Y'all pray for me. And um, <laughs> I started working at Finish Line in high school. And uh, all the money they gave me for working, I just gave back to them. And, um, and just, I don't know what happened. And then, um, then I stopped working there and, and I kept showing up. It's, it's a crazy thing. And um, so, and, and then people like, like everybody's got their love language, you know, you might be physical touch, you might be words of affirmation, you might be quality time. I'm shoes, okay? <laughs> like when somebody sends me a card, I'll be like, it better be a full locker gift card in this thing because if it's not, we got a problem. You don't love me, okay? So, um, so I, I, I usually always have on a new-ish pair of shoes and um, when I go to the gym, I'll be playing with a guy who'll be guarding me. He'll be like, man, them shoes so nice, man. I'll be like, man, what size are you? Like, He's like, I wear 12. I'll be like, man, here you go. I take him off, give it to him. He's like, dude, what? I'm like, dude, it's, it's just stuff. It's just shoes. So, so I, I give away shoes at the gym all the time. And I got a low-key deal with God. I'm like, God, you see what I'm doing? So I'm going to go ahead and go to Foot Locker right now because I got to walk out here barefooted. <laughs> I don't know what to do, Lord. What you want me to do, walk around with some socks on? <laughs> Need some shoes. So, uh, so I, 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 just, I, I just give away shoes. And uh, one time... A, a guy stole my shoes and like guys at the gym, they were ready to fight this dude. They're like, you don't mess with Ryan. Like, I mean, like, I'm like, like they were like holding him. They're like, what do you want us to do? I'm like, guys, what are we running here? An insurrection? Like, calm down. Put the man down. He's like, you're a pastor. I'm sorry. I didn't know. I'm like, dude, keep the shoes. Man, you already wore them 30 times. You want to think I want them back? He goes, I'll pay you for them. I'm like, you can have them. It's okay. And um, there was one time I, I gave away a, a to a guy, a pair of Jordans, which was a little bit more difficult for me to do than to give him some Adidas, you know what I'm saying? So, um, so he, a, a guy comes to me about three weeks ago, and he goes, 
He goes, hey, Ron, can I talk to you? Now, guys at the gym, they want to stay tough. They don't want to get emotional. So he wouldn't even look at me. He's like, hey, man, I just want to say, uh, man, you, uh, you, you inspire me, man. I said, man, that's cool, man. What you do? He's like, so my uncle, he just got out of jail. And um, he was crying and stuff. And, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't, know, I, didn't know, I didn't know how to help him. And so I asked the question, what would Ryan do? And so I went upstairs and I grabbed some shoes. <laughs> now, um, for those of you who are not sneakerheads, um, my, my man actually has uh, kind of the shoes on right now. They're called the 72 and 10 Jordans. They're one of the most rare Jordans you can even buy. You had to literally enter a lottery to get them. And me and my friend won literally the lottery. I would give away any pair of shoes in my closet except the 72 and 10, okay? He went upstairs, grabbed his 72 and 10s, and gave them to his uncle. And this is exactly what he said to me. He said, Ryan, I always knew you were a giver. I just didn't know it felt so good. He said, I never, I never, I never knew it was so. I remember the day he won the lottery and knew he was getting the shoes. And the look on his face when he gave them away was greater. It was something about him. He's going, man, I feel like I'm living. I feel like, I mean, I'm going to do this more. Like, I, he goes, I'm looking at my closet going, what, what else could I? I didn't know I could make a difference in somebody's life just by giving. And, and as I thought, I thought, man, what a statement. And then I was reading the Bible, and, and it said, verse, Acts 20, verse 35, it says, And I've been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus, it is more blessed to give than receive. Like Jesus has already said this. Sometimes we just, we just don't believe him. question you might want to ask yourself tonight is this. What can you do less of that's keeping you from doing the thing you want to do more of? What can you do less of? What's one thing you could go, you know what? I, I, I love Starbucks. But what if, what, if, what if just one time a week... I walked in Starbucks, and before I ordered, I just went, not for me today. Who in here could possibly need a cup of coffee for free? And what door might that open up? I'm talking about a lifestyle that keeps their head on a swivel that doesn't, isn't, we're, we're, this is way beyond what you give in church. Yeah, you, you put God first, and, but that's just the beginning. Anybody that has taught you that the finish line is giving in church, you've missed the whole point. Because God's trying to give something to you so that he can use you. That's a life better than vacation. Um, I was uh, at the mall dealing with my shoe addiction and losing, and um, I, I was with my best friend, and, and we're in there. We're talking to the sales clerk at Foot Locker. They know me by name. Like, hey, Ryan. I'm like, yeah, help my friend. And uh, like when people come to me with problems, I'll be like, man, what size shoe you wear? Like, I, like I'll just give them a size 12. Hey, help them out. This will make their day better. Sure, it, it makes my day better. So, so we're, we're in there. We're messing around, having fun. And my best friend's getting ready to catch a flight in 30 minutes. We're having one last lunch in, in, in the food court. And, and all of a sudden, I see the sales clerk walking on his lunch break. And I, and I feel the Spirit of the Lord tell me, Go pay for whatever he's getting. I was like, God, no. <laughs> Kept talking to my friend. And he said, I said, go pay for whatever he's getting. I go, God, I'm busy. 
Okay, it, it would inconvenience my schedule, okay, a little bit. And, and I only got 30 minutes before I can come by to do lunch anytime. I'll come up here tomorrow. I'll come tomorrow, okay? Is that cool? And, and literally, God wouldn't leave me alone about this guy. And so literally my friends talk, I can't even hear him anymore because all I can hear is God is go, 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 go. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And so we're just arguing in my head. I'm just like, I said, Phil, hold on a sec. So I go over, I hand the sales clerk uh, my, my credit card, and I just look at the guy. I don't even know how much it costs. And I go, hey, here's the deal. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're up to, but this is what I know. You must be really important to God because he interrupted my lunch. <laughs> and God never interrupts my lunch. But he did for you. So I was like, I, I, don't, I don't know what you know about God. I, I don't know your story, but God loves you so much that he would interrupt a complete stranger's lunch to tell you that he's got a plan for your life. This is exactly what he says. He goes, oh, man, uh, wow. Uh, man, I was on Twitter the other day. I'm like, Twitter, where is this going? <coughs> okay. He's like, I was on Twitter the other day, and, and I saw a tweet about God, and I wondered if that God knew my name. Lady hands me the receipt. Lady hands me the receipt. It's $1.54. And I walk away, and I'm going, Lord, would you continue to give me $1.54 moments? We're not talking about somebody that's rich and famous. We're talking about somebody that's willing to say, yes, he, God kept talking because he knew I would give it. Because there's a history there. God is looking for some people that will have their head on a swivel that will say, Lord, use me wherever. If it's $1.54, I got you. If it's more than that, you just let me know. I just have to believe that you're going to resource me to be your person, your ambassador, wherever I am. You cannot wait for more time and more money to start being generous in the kingdom of God. God will resource a generous heart every single can you imagine if all of us left this place tonight, whether we're going out to eat, whatever we're doing on the weekend, and we just decided to be armed and generous? We say, hey, Lord, I dare you tonight to pray. Lord, give me a dollar fifty for a moment and see what I do. Maybe you've been nudged before and you said no. Can you imagine if you started saying yes? I'm willing to bet that you would have a life that is better then vacation. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to know if there's somebody in this room tonight that you, uh, maybe you got invited by a friend in the summertime, you're back home, uh, and uh, this God thing isn't something that you're familiar with. In fact, your whole life, you've been told the things that you should attain is stuff, is status. And you've had a front row seat to seeing that it doesn't satisfy your soul. If tonight, you say, you know what, I would want to surrender to a life that's better than vacation. The thing we've been saying for the past three weeks, the verse we've been highlighting is John 10.10. 10. The thief has come to rob, kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus came to the planet that you may have life and life to the fullest. You were so valuable to him that he died for you. Tonight, if you would want to give your life, surrender your life to Jesus for the first time, or perhaps you want to rededicate your life to Christ. With no one looking around, would you just slip up your hand? 
You just slip up your hand right now and say, hey, I, I, want, I, want, I want to receive Jesus. I see your hand. That's awesome. I see your hand. That's awesome. I see your hand. Is there anybody else? I see your hand back there. That's awesome, man. I see your hand too. That's awesome. Can we all just pray this prayer together as a family? Hey, say, Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. I pray for a fresh start in you. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Come on, why don't you make some noise for every single person that gave their life to Jesus. It is the best decision you've ever made. Why don't you go ahead and stand on your feet. Tonight we're, uh, I, I hope and pray that as you sing songs of worship, I pray that in your heart of hearts, you would be putting your hope and your trust not in a certain circumstance, not in a, in a particular situation, but that as you worship, as you sing songs, as you lift up your hands, maybe tonight as you are in, in a posture of surrender, that you would be surrendering everything that you have. Can you imagine a group of young adults that are walking around different going, Lord, whatever I have, I want to leverage it so that somebody else might know you. Father, I thank you so much for Red Rocks YA. Pray God that we would be armed and generous. I pray, God, that you would give us $1.54 moments, that you would put people in our path that need to know you. And I pray, Lord God, that we would be ready in that moment. I pray, God, that the, the flaws of humans wouldn't let, that, Lord, we wouldn't allow the mistakes that humans have made in the past to keep us from relationship with you and what you want to do with our money. God, I pray that it wouldn't be an idol to us, Lord. I pray that it would simply be a resource that brings people closer to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said.